Welcome back to Laser Graves. I am your co-host, E.K. Wimmer. Hey, E.K. Wimmer. I'm Mariah Rose. Hey, Mariah Rose. Oh, you can't mock me. Okay, only you can mock me. Uh Well, you're listening to Laser Graves, a podcast about the 80s. If you're returning, thanks for coming back. Thanks. If you're new, thanks for checking us out. We've had a lot of new listeners. Yes. We really appreciate it. Seems like some people enjoyed the burbs. Uh, Spoiler alert, we're not doing the burbs this week. We... Uh, kind of go against the grain. We'll lean yeah. into what's popular and then immediately go in the opposite direction. Yeah, we were feeling a little like we had almost sold out a little, so we gotta we gotta reclaim a Don't little. Don't box me in. Yeah, nobody puts laser graves in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you do like this um, podcast, you can always check out our back episodes at lasergraves.com. And if you do like what you hear, please rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get it. Give us five stars because mm-hmm. that does help. So thanks to everybody who's been doing that. Little pointer. I was listening to a podcast and they were talking about listening to back episodes. Mm-hmm. And they gave a, a little tidbit of wisdom. And they said, don't start at the beginning. Never, ever start at the beginning. Work your way back so that you like the hosts enough to forgive them their early episodes. <laughs> yeah, I think it's a fine line because what I found is that if you start at the beginning and work your way forward, you get all the inside jokes. Yes. But if you start your way back and go that way, you're like, okay, by the time you get to their crappy early episodes, you're like, well, I saw what they were going to be doing. Yeah, so, I forgive them. Although our first episode is still our most downloaded, which is funny. I think that's why, though. I yeah. think people start there. That's all going to change this week. With this, this is the big one. Yeah, this is the big one. But before we get to this week's episode... Uh, have you gotten out, done some thrift storing? Yes. I went to one of the thrift stores that I have decided is safe. I don't really know what the <laughs> rules are here, but in my mind, during quarantine times, I have certain places that I will go that I feel are safe or low risk because, <laughs> you know, people stay away. I can just, you know, put in my headphones, put on my mask, and people will generally give me my space. Yeah. Other places you walk in and you're like, oh no, oh no, abort mission, and you just have to escape. Yeah. But this thrift store in particular, pretty low traffic. So I went in and I found, first I found a dress. So I was already like doing good. Just a black, like summery dress, just cute hipster dress. Sure, that's what I think. That's not an oxymoron at all, black summer dress. It's okay. We live in New Mexico. I'm going to (laughs) die. But, um, the real find was a Catherine Home fondue pot. Oh, yeah. It was really, really cool. If you don't know Catherine Home, go look up her little design and you'll go, oh, that is rad. And you'll know. Awesome. So I found that and a couple other little odds and ends, but that was my big score. Excellent. Well, good find. How about you? What did you find this week? I I thrifted a lot and found not really much of anything. Mm-hmm. One of those weeks. Yeah, but even if I did, I'd... I have something much more exciting I wanted to share. Oh, because it is I know what you're going to come yeah, up with. But it's not a thrift find. I had uh, bought a tape online for really cheap, and I was very excited about it. It's called Out of the Dark, and it's this 1980s slasher, like clown kind of thriller. Yeah. I wanted to do it for the podcast because I've never seen it. Uh, I've only heard about it. Some people said it was really cool. I should check it out. Okay. And so I found a copy on VHS, really cheap. And it's not always cheap. I mean, it's not expensive, but um, good find. It was coming in. I was like, this is going to be awesome. I'm going to watch it. And then maybe we'll do an episode on it. 
And then it got delivered. I went to go grab it and it was not in our box. I, and then this drama ensued where I had to track down oh, the mail lady. and You she, were enraged. Well, she just basically gave me the middle finger and was like, I don't care about my job and I definitely don't care about your package. File a claim. Was that's I'm, I'm kind of um, paraphrasing, but th- I think yes. that's what was implied. It was, she does not care at all about anything right now. And so she... This is, an, this is also not the first time no, this has happened. No, yeah, she loses my packages all the time. And so I was really frustrated because I wanted this tape. It's not rare. It's just that I wanted to watch the damn movie. Yeah. And uh, I said, well, what am I supposed to do after she was like, well, file a claim? She said, well, it's probably sitting on somebody's counter. Um, there you go. And I was like, thanks. And that was over two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. I've been bummed about it. But I finally just let it go. It was over and done with. And then tonight, we get a knock on our door. Mm-hmm. One of our neighbors holding an unopened package for me. And so it nice. was the tape. And not only that, it was just thrown in a bubble wrap package, which usually those will get banged up and broken. Mm-hmm. Wasn't broken either. So the tape has uh, been returned and now we have it. And I am so incredibly excited because... Yeah. I am just a fan of watching movies, and once I get my hopes up, like I'm going to watch something I've never seen, yeah. I get more excited, and so that was my, not my thrift store find, but definitely my find, or my neighbor's find big. of the week. Yeah. It was so nice. He was so, he, well, we have a sign on our door that says, please don't knock as I'm socially awkward. to like get the solicitors away and so i think he was nervous about knocking on our door he was definitely nervous because earlier i was sitting at the kitchen table and i can look out the front and i was writing notes for tonight Uh and i saw that guy walk up and he looked at our house and i was like because i'm immediately paranoid about everybody i was like what's this creeper doing should i take a photo (laughs) and then he turned around i think he spotted me staring at him and he turned around and left and then it was later he came back so he actually had the tape the whole time he was just too nervous well which is funny because he's a big guy he was yeah yeah whatever anyway it was, it was great well so that's it i'm very excited and um it was a good way to get the energy going for tonight's episode mm-hmm. because it put me in a really great mood yes it was like somebody flipped a switch and you were suddenly I, yeah i was kind of bummed out and then now i'm like in a great mood now so. you believe in humanity and nope i don't but oh. i at least had a good day I still don't. That's okay. I believe enough for both of us. So, speaking of today's episode, yeah. Wow. Um, You guys, (laughs) brace yourself. We are talking hard ticket to Hawaii, 1987. We're going to be totally upfront. This is a first time watch for both of us. Oh, yeah. Not only is this a first time watch, this is the first time we've ever seen an Andy Sedaris film. And he is like. You know how I'm crazy about David Pryor films? Yep. This is like David Pryor 12.0. This is so much better than David this Pryor. This is... Personal opinion. Well, I'm not going to go that far, but this is like off the rails. What? Hey, I like... I have a special place. This is just different. Okay. Okay. Okay, fair. Okay. Different strokes for like different This is like David folks. Pryor's cocaine uncle showed up to party harder. Wow. So much harder. We did not know what we were in for, but the reason why we even watched this and mm-hmm. I felt good about it was our friend John Diner, who is a co-host of one of our uh, podcast friends, Reconcinimation. Please go check them out and support them. Mm-hmm. They do really fun movies. They look back at movies that they kind of grew up with and see if they hold up. But I, um, I've been friends with John for a while now, and I've even guested on a show. I was on the History of Canon Films yep. 
Um, I th- maybe I did another one too. Oh, hasn't aired yet, so I don't want to give oh. away the goods. Uh, keep that in your pocket, baby. You're on so many that you don't even know what you're doing now. <laughs> totally. You're like, Where am I? Bad taste was making fun of me about that, but I will just say, and they did kind of mention this that I'm I'm reliable. I'm like. When you're in a, in a pinch, you call me up and I will show up to the show and give the goods. I will agree to that. You are very reliable. But John, uh, yeah. So John from Reconcinimation, we always talk action films. We talk yeah. Avenging Force and everything else. And he was like, you guys have to cover Hard Ticket to Hawaii. Oh, yeah. And I was like, I don't even know what that is. And so, yes, we watch a buttload of films we have our whole lives but guys we can miss stuff from time to time be forgiving we didn't see every film ever made i have although that that being said i have no clue how we missed all of andy sedaris's films because whose mouth was shut it was it just not at the hastings in our hometown i don't know how we missed all of them but guess what we're going to be catching up on in rapid fire wow so yeah um needless to say I was like, well, John said we should cover it. Let's just watch it. We watched it, and we were both, like, blown away at what we just experienced. Well, you made me watch two, like, uh, promos for it, two little Yeah, trailers. there's a guy I follow on Instagram that'll just show funny clips from random movies, and he showed a clip the other, I don't know, a couple weeks ago of a scene we will definitely talk about, and oh, yeah. that... I was laughing so hard, I was almost crying, and then I looked in the hashtags, and it said, hard ticket to Hawaii, and I was like, okay, yeah, it's on, we gotta watch this one. It's amazing. So, for this episode, it'll be a little different, and we do know some facts, however, I intentionally did not go looking for a bunch of facts, because... We just gotta talk about this I just wanna talk about what we just experienced, like... I don't want to be like, so anyway, and then when he got into this phase in 1988, he started this. I don't care. I just want to talk about well, it. I think this is different than the Burbs because the Burbs, everybody's seen. Yes. So you don't have to like talk about what you've seen. You already know. Yeah. This film, I assume that like, like us, many others maybe have missed it. Yeah. So we got to tell you, but also if you haven't seen this, maybe go watch it first. Yeah. Oh yeah. Don't, yeah. Don't get spoiled by this because you will not be able to watch it the same. Or maybe you will. I don't know. Maybe you'll be like, oh, that's, that's what they're talking about. Okay. Hard Ticket to Hawaii, 1987. Like we said, directed by Andy Sedaris. If you do know his films, you'll know some titles like Savage Beach, Picasso Trigger, Malibu Express. I do know the titles. I just didn't realize that this guy directed all of those. I don't even know the titles. And I got to say, I love the name Picasso Trigger because I assume <laughs> it's the exact same as me. I'm triggered by Picasso when <laughs> when people talk about him uh, in regard to art history. I'm immediately triggered. Oh, here's an art history uh, nerd joke for you. I think that when I hear Picasso trigger, I think of George Brock being like going off the rails and on a murdering spree. Yes. That like the final time Picasso came over, looked at his latest painting and then (laughs) stole his idea (laughs) that Brock then turns into like a homicidal maniac and it's called Picasso trigger. We should do a really (laughs) dumb series of like art history horror. Yeah, I like it. Okay. Okay, well, uh, this was also produced by Andy's wife, Arlene, who um, is 
quite the pistol. I've watched a couple interviews when I realized I don't want to watch any more interviews, but they were really fun to watch, uh-huh. was with her talking about the makings of these films. I so, like the name Arlene. Yeah, I do too. Um, but she produced almost all of his films. He did a couple right before she uh, married him, but mm-hmm. all the good ones that everybody really knows um, she was involved in. Okay. So, yeah. Uh, Andy Sedaris... She described her husband, and I think this is the best way to describe, like, what we're about to get into. Ooh, I like this. I like when a spouse describes yeah. another spouse, because they got the goods. Totally. When, like, you describe me as, like, um, Hercules, but cooler. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I like that, too. But cooler. Okay, so... <laughs> Not the Hercules TV show. Like, uh, Oh, no, that's what I'm speaking about. Oh, then never mind. I'm going to stop using that quote Sorry. for myself. So she described him as liking, quote, beautiful women, beautiful men, and beautiful explosions. Oh, and beautiful snakes. (laughs) And beautiful hand puppet snakes. (laughs) All right, well, let's let's just kind of try and make sense of what we just experienced. Uh, Okay, I don't know that there is sense to be made, but let's... You know, buckle up and go for this ride. This is shot in beautiful Hawaii, and they're really shoving it in our face. We get it. Okay? Hawaii's pretty. Gag me already. Okay. I live in the desert. It's great. (laughs) Shut up, Hawaii. And it's like immediately this couple's making out on a yacht in Hawaii. And I was like, okay, yeah, cool. I could get on board with this. Yeah. And the couple's name are, we got to learn these people right now. Oh, yeah. It's essential. Rowdy. Oh, really? You I never learned the name. His name is Rowdy. Is he side tail or is he a different one? No, no. The main guy, Dimples McGee. Oh, Dimples. Right. Yeah. Okay. And he makes me question my Dimples theory, but whatever. <laughs> well, he was just a acting he's how awful. he was taught. No, he's bad. <clears throat> but he's got Dimples. His name is Rowdy. And the other woman on this boat is named Donna. They're both in, I guess, drug enforcement, but also sort of a Charlie's Angels situation. Definitely that Charlie's Angels-like dollar store version. It's a very amorphous, and there's maybe government involved, but also... <laughs> You know, part of me halfway through, I was like, are they just freeform? Is this just their own entity that they're doing? I got something cool for you. Okay. It's not the fun fact of the week, but it did make me laugh. And I was like, I kind of feel like we already, I already know what kind of film we're in for based on this one fact alone. Okay. Donna, her real name in real life is Donna. Yes. The only difference is... uh, her Donna is spelled with one N, and her character's Donna is spelled with two Ns. Oh. So one of them's got to be Donna. It is not Donna. It's Donna. Donna. Agree to disagree. Anyway, Rowdy and Donna set the tone for this movie by getting up out of the water, talking about drug enforcement. He's like, I don't know if this is a job for a girl, because she's going to take oh, a... Yeah. Uh, a job doing drug enforcement on the island of Molokai. <laughs> and then she's like, oh, your misogyny is so attractive. And then they hump. They do right after he completely insults her about like yes. being unable to do a job based on her gender. And then yep. she's like, boy, you know how to That's get me. That's so sexy. <laughs> it's yeah. great. Yeah. And then uh, they make out some more. And then we uh, let's flash to these like inspectors walking through a field of pot like y- y- oh yeah it's like, like drugs dude what is what is the plot of this film oh okay. I know it I know it because there's like three four different storylines happening okay so what's happening there's only two 
One is there was a family who was on this island and they were had a small family pot growing operation. Okay. And the marshal, the Molokai marshal, he kind of had an agreement it with them. Sounds like a wrestler's name. Totally. Marshall. He had an agreement. <laughs> Tag team with the big boss man. Uh-huh. Oh, I like sorry. it. With yeah. like the sumo guys. Oh, totally. Yeah. I could see this whole thing as a video game. As a WWF, like uh, SummerSlam. Or like Mortal Kombat. Every one of these people is Definitely like, Mortal, like a Mortal oh, Kombat Oh, yeah. Because there's like a, a Sonya and a Kano. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. I got like... Okay. Bit. So the Molokai Marshall, he is about to retire. He's taking his like next in line to go see these people who have like a small pot operation. He's like, we just kind of look the other way. They give us a little pot. It's all good. But they come around like out of the forest and see that something else is going on. They're like, this doesn't look right. And they start to bail, but then they end up getting caught in like a bear trap or something <laughs> and hung upside down and then straight shot through the center with like light through it. That was awesome. So you think that's the plot of this film is a drug bust? <sighs> okay, so there is a massive like illegal trade operation that's happening that includes drugs and somehow also diamonds. See, I think that like diamond heist is a separate story. No, I think it's all combined. You do? It's illegal. Well, yeah, because the guys that are looking for the diamonds also were there unloading. They're the guys who shot the marshal. Okay, well, I'm going to ask you a serious question. What? Is this a creature feature? Because you're missing the other plot of this story. Well, I'm not missing it. I just hadn't gotten to it. No, it's not a creature feature. That's very secondary. There is a snake involved. I don't know. It's kind of like Anaconda part, like the the prequel. Or Snakes on a Plane, the inspiration. Oh, it is totally Snakes on a Plane. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So we also, the title sequence in this is really great because it is, uh, they're like unloading. It's an airplane hangar. Yes. And it's the name of like everybody involved, but it's on brown paper because they didn't want to like waste their time printing it on boxes. So it's taped to all these boxes they're unloading. In the warehouse. It's it's really clever. Cool. I, I I dug it. I felt like it was almost like a Wes Anderson style like yeah. credit sequence. Yeah. Didn't totally. it have that quirky like um art house feel to it? I was like, wait, what? I feel like you could have that um like you know what I'm talking about? That sound. Okay. Okay. I liked that a lot. the opening credits were really awesome. So they're unloading all these boxes, but in this unloading process we see there is a snake in a box. And it's a big like boa constrictor type snake. Two snakes. But it's wise. Well the the one that we care about (laughs) is this one. Oh right, but it's crucial to the plot that we that we know there are two snakes. There's a mishap. One (laughs) snake is just a normal snake. The other one is an observant snake that's contaminated. We'll we'll get more to that later. Yes. Not just contaminated. Let's go back to Donna. Remember her? She was the one that was cool with the uh, misogyny insult. Yeah. And she now goes to a witness who's in, like, yeah. witness protection. A woman named Tamara. Or Taryn. Taryn. Yeah. And Taryn's, like, this babe who's... They're both babes. Yeah. They're just walking around Hawaii, like, with no bras on. That's just what they do for a living. Barely any clothes. I mean, I feel like clothes were just the last resort. They're like, oh, okay, we gotta <laughs> we put clothes to. on these ladies. I feel like that's how everybody is in Hawaii. Well, and also in this movie, because the guys, they, they're like... 
I guess just button that bottom button of your shirt. That is pretty awesome. I, I could get enough. on board with dressing that way. Oh my goodness, I cannot get on board with that. I would you need can, to work out, but you, you know. cannot button the bottom button of a shirt. Either don't button it at all, or button it up. No, I kind of feel like it's um, the middle finger to the man by just buttoning the, only the bottom button. Okay, I, I'm rethinking this. Yes, I like the act of rebellion. It's like reverse. Um, like gang uh, shirts where they only button the very top button yeah. and then leave it open to reveal their like white shirt underneath. Mm-hmm. It's opposite on Hawaii where like thugs will put uh, just the bottom button and, and leave let, the rest of their shirt. Let all that chest hair go. Yeah. It's the I, same idea. It's rebellion. I'm going to just start buttoning the third button of every shirt. Okay. See what happens. See how that goes. Okay. <laughs> uh, so Donna and sexy witness protection Taryn are there. They're wearing khaki uh, shirts. <laughs> and we're going to call them shirts. This troubled me. Like, whatever, ladies, you do your thing. But they're wearing khaki and nothing else. Mm-hmm. The nipple chafing alone really unsettled me. <laughs> It really, really troubled me. It had to hurt. It's going to file them down to some bloody stumps pretty soon. I can't even imagine. That's, is that not problematic? No, very much, yeah. It was, it was troubling. But, you know, in their defense, they spend 50% of their time without tops on. That's true. Maybe it's it's not like it's really, they're on long enough to to really like do any damage. (laughs) Good point. So Donna and Taryn, we learn, are also pilots, just nonchalantly, when they get aboard a little, like, island hopper plane. Their passengers are a newlywed couple and a snake that is supposed to be for an observatory. Yes. Although, whoopsie-daisy, they mixed up their contaminated snake with the other snake. Contaminated snake is now on a plane. Yeah, it is. And, uh, boy, do we get a theme song here in all its glory. And you better believe we're going to play it, because you know me and theme songs for movies. Do it. (laughs) Here you go. That's pretty glorious. It's good. I really, I sang along. I'm, okay, I'm very biased. I, I already, this has happened several episodes, is if there is a theme song for the movie we're watching, I kind of like, we'll just be like, I love this movie. It, it's, it has to specifically include the title of the movie. Yes. It can't be generally like what the movie's No, no, about. yeah. It needs to actually be like Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Yeah, I think that like the refrain has to be... And the title. boy, is this a refrain. We were uh, humming along by the end. I was singing. I hit those notes. You did You're hit like, those you notes. You figured it out. Really, you were, uh, you know, you were going all in. I did. A real uh, boys to men rendition. It was acapella. <laughs> <laughs> so Donna, Taryn, and the newlyweds fly with their mystery snake. It's in cargo. Don't even think about it right now. Don't give it another thought. Yeah, well, We're not there yet. Plenty of time to get to the snake. So they drop this couple off on a beach and they're like, have fun. We're just over the hill. We'll come pick you up tomorrow. Bye bye. And so the couple is like ready to make out on a beach on their on their honeymoon, which honestly, good for them. Sounds like awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Sand in the crack is always fun. 
It's never fun. Okay. But hopefully they had good camping equipment. <laughs> That's true. They put down one of those big uh, Hawaiian leaves to lay on oh, instead of a blanket. I think so. Yeah. I think they did. Or they maybe made like a mat out of leaves. I don't know. I'm in, I'm inventing a story for this newlywed couple because their fate is so poor. Their ending is unsatisfying. Oh, that's who the couple... I just... Dude, oh God, really? It. I just thought it was a random... Oh, that makes this even funnier. Oh, my... I've seen it once, Mariah. Give me a break. But it was... Okay. Okay. I will definitely Ooh. be seeing this twice very quickly. Okay. So then let's flash to a man on a yacht with a helicopter. I thought it was an actual helicopter. Because <laughs> he, like... There's this old guy who we learn is named Chang, and we weirdly get a backstory on why he's named Chang, because he's half British, half Chinese. <laughs> yeah. That's a pretty cool backstory. It it comes at the end of the movie, and yeah. he plays a very small role, but whatever. But I like how that the second they give the backstory, I'm like, oh, okay, yeah. That okay, explains why that. he's in Why he's white, white with blue eyes, yeah. Okay, cool. Because <laughs> he also had a British dad. So, yeah, he's on a yacht. He's got a cane. He uses the cane. He, like, taps it, and it closes the door on the helicopter. But then it, like, zooms out, and I realized it was a toy helicopter, like an itty-bitty toy helicopter. Okay. So as you're giving me a hard time for not knowing that was the couple... But you yet, knew it was instantly? It was tiny in front of him. No, but at the first shot of it, was it like on, it looked like it was on a little helipad. I guess I just know my uh, toy helicopters no, from my real helicopters. No, you don't. You're full of beans. Yeah, I didn't recognize that model number. You're and, uh, full of beans and farts, whatever. So he, fly, <laughs> he flies his little tiny helicopter <laughs> off of his yacht onto Molokai Island hey. where the... I love this plot, by the way. This was genius. No, I'm not being funny. I'm 100% on board. Having a little, like, motorized helicopter to deliver your drugs to an island? He's not delivering drugs. Or Oh, yes, yeah, right. Sorry. My bad. That was a different plot that's happening during this movie. It was so genius. And I was like, this is hilarious. Why had I never thought of that? Why did he have to do that? Why couldn't he just go to the shore or have one of his lackeys go to the shore and just hand it? What if he also, like, it showed him the next day and he put the diamonds in a little toy motorboat and then, like, had that speed towards the beach? (laughs) Or, like, and then the next day it's like a little toy submarine and it's like every day he's got, like, a different motorized vehicle. That would be... Okay, good. well, the helicopter lands, but it kind of chases the uh, girls, and they're like, it's coming right at us, and then they hide, and mm-hmm. it lands, the door opens, they open it up, and there's some goods inside. It's two little metal boxes. They don't actually know what's in it. They start to pull them out when they are confronted by the people who were supposed to gather this Oh, yeah. Stuff. Boy, are they uh, confronted because they waste no time when these two thugs are like, hey, <laughs> and boy, it is action packed because it is. Uh, what's her name? Tamron? Taryn. Taryn. Taryn uh, throws her. She, what she's. Why is she even walking around with this stuff? She's in witness protection. She's ready to go. Okay. She's got her chucks on her. She's doing her, like, cool moves. Oh, yeah. We also earlier saw her, like, whipping around nunchucks for some reason. She wastes no time and throws them at one of the guy's heads. But with no skill. just (laughs) She just chucks them. Yeah, but it does the job. Hey, maybe that's why they're named that. Okay. 
And uh, Donna, meanwhile, reaches into her cowgirl boot <laughs> and pulls out this like Chinese throwing star. She's got on short shorts, a khaki midriff shirt, and boots with a Chinese this is, star. Okay, this is something I really loved. Is it when a Chinese she, star? Yeah, it's like a throwing star. She throws it. It hits the other guy in the chest. <laughs> but what I love is this is like an Austin Powers scene. You know when they throw the shoe and he's like, For re-, you know, you really, Why? man, who throws a shoe? Because the one guy gets up after getting hit in the head with the nunchucks and he's got this like goose egg on his head. Yeah. The other guy pulls the star out of his chest, bleeding, and then they just walk off. Like, yeah. They just have to accept the I damage that was too. non-lethal. Yeah. I would be like, that was good. I'm, I'm done. Man, that was such a great scene. So they escape in their plane. Right. And they head back to their headquarters. Yeah. And then it, to deal with what they just like need to process, this is their idea. Taryn, we need to figure out what just happened. Let's unload and hit the jacuzzi. I do my best thinking there. Right, I'll get the dolly. So I saw an interview. The one interview I did look up before I stopped was uh, Joe Bob Briggs was interviewing uh, Arlene, the the wife, Uh uh, Sedaris. And he just flat out said, does Andy, did he put a jacuzzi scene in every single film? And she was (laughs) like, he sure did. (laughs) (laughs) So the, the women are in this jacuzzi. They're topless. Just hanging out. Yep. Um, very sure. uncomfortably close. Very uncomfortably. This is not quarantine close. And um, they pull out that's the, the stash that they had taken, and it turns out it's diamonds. Yes. So this is not a drug movie. This is a diamond heist movie. No, no, it's both. It's illegal trade. Okay. Diamonds, drugs. Okay, it's all Tiny just... helicopters. Don't yeah, worry about bad it. Bad stuff. Okay. Don't worry. And snakes. There's still a snake. Don't forget. Yeah. Well, we need to meet somebody new now. Oh, yeah. So let's go to a restaurant called Edie's. It's Edie's restaurant. Mr. Romero is there. Mm-hmm. He's a dude. Don't worry about him. I mean, we'll talk about him, but he doesn't have a personality, so you don't need to get invested. <laughs> He's he get- got some good line delivery, though. He does. It's very blank. We, we struggled with this because we do like to use samples um, uh-huh. From the films, I feel like we should have just sampled, sampled the, the whole damn film. Movie. I know it was like we could not figure out what to use because I was like every line out of their mouths are Magic. a one liner. Yeah, pure gold. He's got some forth. good ones. Oh, and Edie, by the way, um, she was a Playboy centerfold. I assumed everybody in this. Well, was. most of his actresses in all of his films were. Yeah, he was like flipping through, and he's like, "Wonder." Well, Arlene said they had a deal with Playboy, and the the one thing was that they had to. They, they could only use them after, I think, two years had passed after being a centerfold. Like, they couldn't use them before then. And Edie was one of them. And Arlene said that, like, when she met Edie, she was like, holy cow, this woman is, like, gorgeous. Mm-hmm. And um, that's who they decided to just put in their film. And she's Weird. the restaurant owner that's walking around the whole time. Yeah. So she and she's also maybe a spy. I, it's oh, in, yeah. It was very Charlie's Angels. The whole thing was. It was, but without any form or definition. It's just a general hint that there are spies and yeah. everybody has skills, but they never, ever talk about it. So <laughs> so amazing. Mr. Romero is at Edie's restaurant and he gets the news that the the stuff from the tiny helicopter have been 
taken. That's because his goons walk up with the, like, egg on their head and the wound from the star in his chest. And, yeah, he gives a pretty choice quote here. This should be on a t-shirt. Here it is. (laughs) If brains were birchened, you'd have a clean cage. Wow. This, uh, the writing is pretty... Pretty damn amazing. So, and in case you're wondering, what's Rowdy up to? Let's go see. (laughs) Rowdy is now doing very... Okay, look, you can study martial arts, but he's doing what I would consider racist martial arts. Well, I would say most uh, martial arts done in the 80s by um, (sighs) non-Asian people uh, could be considered racist. Okay, it's problematic. And there's a scene here that's for realsies offensive. Oh, just hardcore. Although, that aside, um, it did make me happy that there was now like kung fu in this movie. Because this is another... I think I looked at you during this scene. I was like, how did I not know about this film? Because it's got kind of everything you want in an 80s action movie. I think it has everything you didn't know you wanted in an 80s action movie. But once you've seen it, it's like there's no going back. Like, here's my problem with this movie. This is a major problem. Okay. I feel like it sets the bar too high. And like, you can't... It's kind of like Deadly Prey. It's the same idea. Like, once you've seen it, everything's like, eh, well... Could have been. Could have been this. You should probably watch this movie instead. I feel like... You know, I already love Deadly Prey, but now this on top of that, I'm like, I already know the the top tier standards of the perfect action movie for the 80s. It's all downhill from here. So Rowdy and his, he's got an instructor, I guess. His name is Jade. Oh, is that the ponytail guy? Yes. And it's actually a braided side ponytail, just... To note. You were talking about Mortal Kombat, but this is like Street Fighter. He looks like Vega if he took his mask off. And also if he had a side ponytail. No, Vega does. Does he? Yeah. Okay. He looks like Vega. Pretty cool. So they're doing whatever it is they're doing. And then a guy comes up on a, like a motorbike and he's got a lunch delivery. It's oh, a, oh my this God. is one of my favorite scenes. Totally themes. forgot about this scene. So he has, a, he has a lunch delivery. Rowdy grabs it, opens it. It's a sandwich. And they like make all these weird comments about how they wish it were spring rolls. But instead, it's a sandwich. He opens the sandwich. And there's a note directing him to the island. It's like instead of a piece of cheese, it's a piece of paper inside the sandwich. It's so Inspector Gadget. But then... He has to destroy the evidence. Oh, so he, he sets it on fire. Burns the sandwich. But it's got like lettuce, which is mostly water. I don't oh, understand. Man, that he scene was it. so good. Okay. Wow. Let's go back to the women. Donna and Taryn are in their headquarters, whatever that means. And the phone <laughs> lines are cut. Then two assailants and with pantyhose over their face. And for the record, the pantyhose does not obscure their identity <laughs> no, on any level. It just pushes their nose down a little bit. Yeah. They come in and they're, they're trying to get the diamonds. They're like, where are these diamonds? We want them. Donna fights back. And in the process, she ends up out in the plane hangar and frees the snake. Did you forget about the snake? Now's the time to remember. Time to bring back the snake. The snake is, holy cow. Oh, I guess the only way we could describe why this snake is so important is we'll let the, um, who is this, the dispatcher? 
Yeah, I think he's a, they call him a marshal, I think, at some point. He's like the guy that oversees the cargo being delivered. Who knows? And he is realizing that the snakes have been mixed up, and it's not the zoo snake that they have. Mm-hmm. It's the special snake. Not just any snake. It is this. I want you to listen carefully to everything I have to say. Okay? We had a snake delivered here for the Department of Health. Now, that snake has been infected by deadly toxins from cancer-infested rats. It's a very dangerous snake. It'll kill anybody it comes in contact with. Are you still there, Donna? Yeah, yeah, Dixon. (laughs) Okay. I just, this film's, like, too much to take at times. It's crazy. And why, why was this Marshall guy calling the plane? Like, the message goes to the plane. He doesn't (laughs) pick up a phone and call the phone at their headquarters or anything else. He, He just keeps calling the plane when clearly nobody is there. I, um... Full disclosure, I have not cried from laughing so hard. Oh, you went over the edge. I was over the edge and could not come back because it started going like, this was like a one-two punch. This was like somebody warming up before a boxing match in front of that (laughs) little bag. Like, because the punches just kept coming and I could not get my breath back. No, you were out of control. And it would be right away something else. I think it was the dinner talk that's coming up that I finally could like calm down and Mm -hmm. collect myself because... Up until this point, it was so rapid the, fire. I, th- I think you lost control with when they said the sandwich on fire. Dude, that was such an amazing scene. Why did they burn the sandwich? <laughs> that was so, so amazing. Gosh, I love that. I wish I had this movie. I don't. Okay, so oh. Mr. Romero pulls up in his car. He's also looking for the diamonds. And he sees the snake. He panics. He doesn't even get to the women with the diamonds. He's like, whoa, sees the snake and starts shooting at it. Donna comes out because she's like, oh, no, she's mad. (laughs) She comes out and shoots him in the face. It doesn't kill him. It just, like, cuts his cheek. (laughs) Oh, yeah, that's pretty cool. (laughs) Totally unnecessary. (laughs) And then the ladies are like, let's celebrate and go to Edie's. Yeah. They, I don't, did they see the snake at this point? I don't think they did. I don't know. The dinner we can definitely gloss over. It's just a lot of like agents being sleuthy at, at Edie's. Oh, it's, it's really long. Um, and like a weird vitamin sale. Did, <laughs> what? Do you remember that? It was one of the drug guys talking. I think he was trying to sell drugs, but he was like vitamin C. Oh yeah, he was really going on about vitamins. And giving like lots of strange information that is not true about vitamins. Oh yeah. To professional athletes. There is a lot of athletes in his movies I read because actually the one thing I do know about Andy Sedaris is that in the 60s and 70s, he -hmm. was famous for um, news uh, or like sports shows like he shot college football and stuff and he his claim to fame is basically creating the formula for shooting college football games like oh. the, that standard and the the big one that he's very famous for it actually has a term he invented the honey shot which uh, quickly was not was no longer allowed but it was uh, finding the sexiest cheerleader and like focusing on her during the game and that just became like what everybody did Ew. on like football programs that's gross but that's what um and then after that he 
he worked for ABC and even while he was making these films, like they, he'd get called back to work on the Olympics and stuff like that because that was his original career. Weird. So the reason why you see a lot of um, sports stars in his movies is because okay. of that. Like he knew all those well, people. Well, that kind of explains that strange subplot that there is a sports journalist here yeah. and he's interviewing people. We It doesn't tie in. I, I, there's no sense to be made. It's kind of the same as the, the other scene with um, Tamron and some civilian that uh, she decides to go make out with. And we get this long... It's That's the announcer guy. Oh, is it? Yeah. He's a sports announcer. And Taryn is like, he's the first civilian I've met. Even though we never know <laughs> what rank or like... Was she in the military? I, we don't know she what she did. She keeps using the term civilian. Yeah. But... And she's in winter witness protection. Okay. <laughs> but she makes out, and, and during the makeout, we get some pretty fun uh, makeout music too. And here's here's what we get to listen to a lot of. Scene goes on for quite a while. Well, it starts out, and we're like, "Oh, is this the next morning?" Because the snake, oh, yeah, I forgot the about snake this. attack happened at night. Then they go to. The restaurant, Edie's restaurant, at night. Then it's like early morning, and it's Taryn and this announcer on the beach, like getting ready to get it on. But it's them like kneeling and awkwardly kissing topless for a long time. To this music that was playing the whole time. And then they're still there, but the sun is setting now. Yes. So they've been kneeling and making out on a beach for an entire day. <laughs> yes. It really didn't look that interesting. I think that that whole situation maybe lasted an hour. It was somehow. It was crazy. Um, like all good things, we have to. We do have to really get to the highlight of this film. The, okay. The scene. This is really the scene. I mean, yes, I would say burning the sandwich note. Was, That's for me. The, <laughs> probably that was the coolest the scene. Well. Boy, that's tough now that I'm starting to think about it. There's a lot of Although scenes. this scene is really... What about the Frisbee? We haven't even gotten, we haven't even to the gotten there. Or the ending. Let's not uh, even get ahead of ourselves. Okay. This scene, though, is probably the most uh, iconic or the funniest. And that is that the two agents, Jade and... What's Ra- his... Rowdy. Rowdy, Rowdy Piper. They're going in a Jeep, cruising down the street. Topless Jeep. And they see a freestyle skater cruising on down a lonely road. He's doing a handstand on a skateboard. This is actually the guy that got hit in the head with the chucks earlier. <laughs> but he's he's doing his freestyle like handstand down the street, goes by, meets up with his goon friend who has the wound on his chest from the yep. throwing star. And they're like, let's go get them. Let's get... There's a lot of uh, let's get these turkeys and stuff like that. Yeah, what a goose. Yeah. Uh, but they've also got a blow-up doll in the car. Yes, it's Nonchalantly. Like, it's like uh, Appointment with Fear. When, remember when that mm-hmm. dude would just cruise around with the blow-up doll in his Same sidecar? Story. They're cruising at him with a blow-up doll. Yep. And they're going to start like attacking them. And then out of nowhere, the dude has... He's coming at them on a skateboard mm-hmm. with the blow-up doll. And a gun hidden behind the blow-up doll. So it's the only reason there is a blow-up doll is to hide a gun? And he, he goes by them and they, they're they like, let's get this turkey. And then... They, because he shoots... Yes. He shoots Jade. And then they say, let's get this turkey. Uh, yeah, and he's like, I'll be fine. I've had worse. And then he turns around. They like turn around. And he's doing these freestyle like 360s with, yeah. the, with the mannequin and the Why gun. Why not? And they just full-on hit him they hit him 
He flies in the air. Like a thousand feet. Definitely. Enough time for one of them to grab a rocket launcher, shoot him as he's coming down. He blows up in the sky. Mm -hmm. And then they also shoot the uh, blow-up doll. Right, but the remnants that are falling down are huge chunks of white fabric. (laughs) And, uh, And they blow them both up with the rocket launcher. And that's the scene. That's what happens. Skateboarding, blow-up doll, rocket launcher. Never seen anything Jeez. like it in cinema, and it was glorious. It was such a large explosion. Also, I said, was the blow-up doll filled with gas? Because the <laughs> explosion is so large. Let's go back to these newlyweds. Remember them? They got left on a beach. Yes, definitely remember They're them. They're posing. They've got a Polaroid camera. The husband's like... Yes, work it, girl. And he's taking (laughs) pictures of her as she poses in her bikini. And then he also takes pictures as the snake, the the cancer snake, attacks them. Well, he takes a photo. And I looked at you and I said, please say that when it develops, there's going to be a photo of a snake. And there sure sure as hell, Mm -hmm. there is a photo of the snake that develops. And then it immediately attacks him. It's just the snake's head. Like, hey. (laughs) So, and we have not described the snake yet. Well, it's a boa constrictor puppet. It but, is for sure a hand puppet. And but it looks like its mouth is bloody. Yeah, and it always just moves around really awkwardly on this hand puppet, making these weird sounds. Yeah. Which brings me to this week's fun fact. Oh please. <laughs> okay, one of the things I did learn uh-huh. was that the uh, guy who made the puppet. Mm-hmm. So Arlene and Andy were asking him, like, what do we do for a sound, like a snake sound? <laughs> and the guy who designed the snake said, <laughs> this is the actual quote that she said. He described himself as a snake ventriloquist yes. and said, I will do the sounds. And then she said, he just <laughs> proceeded to make hissing noises and they rolled with it. They were like, okay, cool. So as he was like a grown man going, <laughs> as a snake ventriloquist. <laughs> Well, there you go. I hope he tours elementary schools with his act. Oh, my gosh. <sighs> okay, oh, well. Gotta, I got to recover. Hold on. You can't recover because you know what we're going to? A man playing Frisbee while holding an Uzi. Blonde shades. Gu- blonde guy with shades who's called Shades. <laughs> yep. He's there. He And apparently he gathers on the beach every day. With a mysterious townie who comes to play frisbee. Yes, with a babe him. who doesn't have anybody to play frisbee with, but she has discovered that Shades, with his Uzi, will gladly set down his gun. He doesn't set it down because it, there are times when he has it pointed at. No, her. I know, but then there's always a moment where he like has a little towel specially designed to set his Uzi down oh, and yeah. really get serious because. He gets pretty serious. We'll he see later. He means business. He can do the whole, like, catch under the leg, throw back over. Before we can even focus on processing a guy playing Frisbee with an Uzi, uh-huh. we flash to uh, sumo wrestlers. Yeah, Taryn and Donna, they go to some sort of sumo training facility <laughs> to <laughs> use a payphone inside of it. But it's like... It's like rice paper and bamboo structure, but with a payphone inside. This was so insane. And so 
in that interview with uh, Arlene that I listened to, uh-huh. Joe Bob said, did you guys just find out about some sumo wrestlers and decide to throw that in? And she was like, totally dead serious, was like, no, Andy wrote that in the script before we started shooting, that there had to be a sumo wrestling scene. I love that so much. I love that, too. That's when she laughed and said, it was uh, fun being married to him. (laughs) I bet. I bet. And the women, while they're there to make whatever the call is, they also somehow put together that this bartender is a man spy. Yes. And then they feel a sudden sense of urgency. Yes. (laughs) What is going on? So they go back to the beach. They're like, we got to go check on those newlyweds. Yes. So they go back. They find the dead newlyweds and the camera with the snake photo. Yes. Where do you think that snake photo is? I hope it's oh. in the Sedaris wife's house. I would love to have that Polaroid just sitting on the shelf. We also learn that for some reason the snake's going to die within 36 hours. <laughs> yeah, so what it does doesn't matter? even matter. Like, whatever. <laughs> okay, well, um, this is where we also get a quick shot of... This is what I would describe uh, Mariah in the future. Near future. What? It is oh. an incredibly buff woman... Uh, just flexing. And mm. she's got some nunchucks and she's just hanging out flexing with him. And you've been hitting the gym a lot. And I was like, huh. I do hit the gym, but that's... Is this I, that's what I'm in the, store for right now? Not the road I'm on. Okay, well... That's not my path. This chick is buff as hell. And I was really disappointed with the use of this uh, character. In I feel film. like she could have, like, come in. Oh, been, this... Like, I thought this was going to be time. epic. And, um... Nah, she ooh. fizzles out. Everything Dang. fizzles out. All but... Right. We have the bad guys. They're trying to get Edie to talk about where those darn diamonds are. So we're back on the diamond BS. We're also back on random sex scenes because now two of the agents are like, they're having sex. And there's... It's Donna and Rowdy again. They had the sex on the boat and then they go to watch some videos. Oh, and we get this bizarre one-liner from him. Do you remember? Ugh. What do you feel? One man's dream is another man's lunch. This guy is so creepy. He also says he's going to suck her toenail polish off. What does that even mean? Don't do that. I bet Quentin Tarantino knows what it means. Oh, no. Okay, so uh, they... Oh, yeah, she shows him the video of Shades playing Frisbee. Oh, that's where they get this grand idea. And that's... Then they lead to romance. Okay, this is crazy because based on that video, um, this guy decides that he's going to design a a special Frisbee. Yeah, why wouldn't you reach that conclusion? That only has razor blades going all around the edges. Man. They're prepping. It's time for the final battle. So Rowdy goes they've apparently devised a crazy plan wherein rowdy's gonna show up on the beach and like jog with the girl that comes from town to play with yes with shades he's gonna do the old switcheroo and he gets into a frisbee showdown and oh it's very serious by the way yes and he warns the girl like you better scoot he's gonna do the old switcheroo frisbee because he starts getting in his really intense frisbee match it's like think old west gun showdown but now we're frisbee but rowdy has the secret frisbee with the razor blades and as he tells the girl to run away he's like wait 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 nice butt 
<laughs> and then she's like, thanks. And she runs off. She says something like, uh, you too. You too, Pilgrim. Pilgrim. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> what? Even does that. Okay. Well, after he throws the Frisbee a few times and really has this dude locked in, Shades is like, yeah, keep it coming. Come keep it coming. On. He turns around so that only we, knowing the camera like shot, can see. Uh-huh. Switches the Frisbee for the Frisbee. Same color, but this one has razor blades around it. <laughs> throws it really hard and there's a slow dramatic scene and then it flies and it's everything you could hope for it chops his fingers off hits him cuts him open and he falls down to the ground dead from the razor blade frisbee wow i mean you guys bravo this was cinematic gold yeah. So Give this guy an Academy Award. Don't rest here, though. Don't settle in at this Yeah, we're point. not even we're not kind done. of done. Yeah, sorry, Donna is... comes in. Donna's like on a hang- motorized like hang glider. There's got to be a <laughs> word cruising. for whatever it is. She's got her aviator shades. Yeah, he he like calls her on the radio and he's like, good weather on the beach today. And she's like, that's my cue. And she comes in and starts like dropping bombs. Yeah. To like, draw every, to lure out the you bad guys. Smoke them out. And then they do. They come out and uh, they just start shooting at them. It's just a whole bunch. And they're basically, this is the, the this is the final showdown, is what we're getting mm-hmm. to. And we're going to do, uh, they shoot a couple people. We finally get to see um, Side Tail McGee's uh, Jade. Kung Fu skills. Okay. As they're doing their, wow, he really does. He's ripped, but. He's like making the most of this scene. This is his moment. But I feel like that. he was kind of edging towards a comedic career. Like, that's how he envisioned his future. I feel like he's one of those guys that thinks he's really funny and women will laugh uncomfortably. And he's like, see, I I'm was really hilarious. funny. But really, they were just laughing because they're like, is this guy going to uh, go away? I feel unsafe. Okay, well, during this whole Kung Fu showdown, they find, uh, is it Edie that, who had been tied up? Yeah, they, they were, the whole point was to rescue her. Yeah, so they do find her. Mm-hmm. They get her, and the other goons get in the helicopter. Not a miniature helicopter, like Actual, a real one. yeah. And uh, Donna's like, hand me the rocket launcher, which is just always available for some reason. And loaded. It's and then, ready. <laughs> she shoots and uh, blows up the, the helicopter. And that's when the like chick that had been doing all of the cool posing with her buff muscles just dies. That's I the end. I was really disappointed. Like, I thought she, she was going to have done some something. Like, awesome one-on-one, like, hand-to-hand combat yeah, scene. Yeah, she just posed. She just got in a helicopter and died. Okay. Okay, well, that sucked. But... Seth, a.k.a. Romero, we find out is still alive. He he was not killed during this whole like yes. crazy battle. And he breaks into Donna's apartment. Yeah, so she goes home while Taryn, Rowdy, Jade, and Edie had gone off. So she's solo now. <laughs> she's solo. Breaks in, but she immediately shoots him with a harpoon gun. <laughs> like, oh, man. And then, this is just the gift that keeps giving. Well, and while that's going on... Rowdy, Taryn, and Jade and Edie are like, we got to go help Donna. And Rowdy jumps out of the back of the van on a motorbike. Oh, yeah. No hesitation. He's just like, zoop, I'm out. Okay, well, even with a harpoon, like, through his chest, Romero gets back up Mm -hmm. and grabs a switchblade. And then she destroys him again. Yep. Beats him again. But this is when... Okay, guys, we hadn't lost it. We hadn't forgotten. Nope. That snake who is like, 
oh, it's like Snake Plissken because he only has so much time to live before oh, like he's he, only got his thirty six hours. Yeah, yeah. He's gonna die. Had snuck into the sewer system somehow and managed to find uh, the one toilet. Yeah, that he ghoulie style gonna come. <laughs> yeah, he's just keeps inserting himself into the storyline. <laughs> right. The snake, as like Romero's coming, uh, he's looking for her because she's hidden in her apartment. Mm-hmm. He hears some noise in the in the bathroom, and he's like, "I gotcha!" Opens the bathroom door, and the giant mutant snake comes out and uh, attacks him and kills him, and it is amazing. But the snake is still coming. And guess how you defeat a mutant snake? How do you defeat a mutant snake? A rocket launcher. Yep. Which seems to just kind of um, pick and choose how big the explosion's going to be. This is a minor explosion. So uh, what's his face uh, on the motorcycle? Rowdy. Rowdy pops in with his rocket launcher and blows the head off the snake. Gotta do it. You think that was the end? Take it out of its misery. That is not the end. Nope. Let's have our ragtag team of maybe... Yep. Maybe super spies? Let's have, in a limo. Let's have them decked out in the most 80s. 80s gear you can possibly imagine. 80s Hawaii style. Definitely. Definitely so, hardcore. So, so 80s Hawaii. Because you know what they need to do? What are they going to do? Take down the boss man. Chang. And this is actually, this is the <laughs> this point is that the, they give us the backstory This of is Chang. when we find out that why Chang is white is because he had a half British parent. Okay, well, anyway. In the last four minutes of the movie. So two of them go up to take down Chang. Donna and Rowdy. Donna and Rowdy. Chang does this weird thing where he grabs a sword. And then instead of like uh, just swinging it and doing a sword battle. Yeah. Like holds it between his hands and then throws it. Misses them entirely. But it's sort of, it's not unlike Taryn with the nunchucks. It's true. Yeah, it's just kind of throw whatever you have around you. But he falls out the window. Uh, to his death. Uh-huh. And it is hilarious. And then at the very end, they're all sitting on the yacht. And they're like, we're agents. We can't have the diamonds. But Taryn is like, oh, well, I am in witness protection. I get to have the diamonds. And I like to share with my friends. He, he, he. And then it, like, freeze frames. And that's the end. But in while the credits are going... That's the opportunity to reshow every nude scene in the movie. Yes. So we get to re-see every topless scene over the credits yep. again. And there uh, it is. Hard ticket to Hawaii. Wow. I call it hard movie to forget. Also, no tickets were sold. No. There is no ticket. No. Not but, a single ticket. No, not at all. Okay. But I would have bought a ticket to see this movie. Yeah. I don't know. Um, I honestly don't care about the box office and all that kind of stuff. But these, interestingly, are all produced in-house. So Andy and his wife, Arlene, they even at one point, I think for this one, actually um, had to put their house up as collateral to get the money. But they entirely finance these by themselves, independently. And I could not find a budget. And Joe Bob even said... Can I ask what the budget was? And she said no. So nobody knows, <gasps> to my knowledge, budget. what this budget actually was. No. I like her sassy no. Yeah. And one other thing I did learn that I did want to mention, because it was um, kind of fascinating, was this was shot in Hawaii, but most of the films that came after this, there was like 11 or 12 of them, uh-huh. a lot of them were shot in all places, Shreveport, Louisiana. Oh. 
which I was just in Shreveport last year for a film festival because mm-hmm. I had a film that was um, premiering down there. And uh, I had heard that there was like a film scene and I didn't know, but uh, Andy Sedaris was from Shreveport. And so he yeah. shot a lot of his films there. Yeah. I, as we were watching that, I was thinking how much it must cost to film in Hawaii. Yeah, so, so a lot of them were done in Louisiana, but it's weird because I was just there. So I definitely know that area, yeah. and I'm excited to see some more of the movies and go like, oh, I wish yeah, I would have yeah. known. I like look for locations or whatever. So that is a hard ticket to Hawaii. So I don't know if it's um, going to come as a shock to our listeners, but Laser Graves improved more than this is so more than I can even describe. So bad. Here's the thing. You have to sign on for the so bad it's good. It's just either you're all in or you're not. But I cannot wait to see his other films. Yeah. And I feel like for those of you who have already seen this, you're probably jealous because to be able to see this with like first time yeah. view again, the joy that it brings you for not knowing what you're in for. Yes. Is something special. And I don't know if we've had this level of, like, surprise. No, because we were like, where's the snake? When's the snake going to come back? Yeah, what's happening? And then by the end, when the snake jumps out of the toilet and then has its head blown off of the rocket launcher, I was like, oh my gosh. I I, I feel like the snake was the thread that tied this whole movie together. That's why I think it's a creature feature. No. Okay, well, agree to disagree. Okay. That is Hard Ticket to Hawaii. Thank you guys for listening to this episode. We definitely had a fun time bringing it. Yes. John, thank you for recommending this. This was a perfect recommendation for Laser Graves. Holy guacamole. Again, go check out his podcast, Reconcinimation. You can see a ton of episodes or listen to a ton of episodes they've done. Also, check out all of our friends. Uh, I know Fright Vision is taking a break right now, but you can definitely listen to Bad Taste, Neon Brainiacs, Super Tat Film Club, I mean, we've just got so many, Um, but support podcasting because we are all in love with movies and trying to just entertain you guys. So uh, Mm -hmm. follow them. If you want to follow us, we're on Instagram at Laser Graves. Like we said at the beginning of the episode, we're also anywhere and everywhere you get your podcasts or at lasergraves.com. We also really appreciate those five-star reviews. We do. After you've done that, um, you can follow us on Instagram at our personal sites too. I'm at death at 33 RPM. I'm at Mariah Rose Wimmer. And until then, we'll see you next week when we cover, uh, I don't know. Golden Child, Warlock. Uh, We've got, oh, just there's so many now. uh, Bye.